7 a.m. on the West Coast, 10 a.m. on the East Coast of America. Good morning, America. How are you? It is 3 p.m. in London, 7.30 in Mumbai, India, 11 p.m. in Kyoto, Japan, and in Malaysia, it's 1967. Actually, 1967 was a really good time in Malaysia. I should have picked a different one. Anyway, I'm Jay Sheldon. I'm not wearing pants. <laughs> Hello. Welcome in. We are live. We're live across the planet on Facebook, YouTube, Twitch.tv, and Rumble.com. Thank you to all of our Rumble uh, viewers. If you uh, are checking out the show on Rumble, or if you'd like to, please do. We're live Monday, Wednesday, Saturdays at 10 p.m. Malaysian time. And be sure you hit that subscribe button or follow wherever you may be. YouTube, Twitch, Rumble is probably the best uh, place to check us out. All of our shows, 100, 207 shows are, are over there on, uh, on Rumble. And hello to our podcast listeners from uh, all the different platforms you'll find us. It's the audio part of our show. And we thank you so much for the hundreds of you that download and listen in every week from Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google, Stitcher, Radio Public, Geo7. Um, yeah, thank you so much. Good to have you along for the ride. I'm so tired. <laughs> I, I, am, I am a mosh tonight. I am a complete mix of everything. I... <laughs> what? Good evening, good morning, good day. Who is that? I can't see. It didn't come up in my chat window. It's Aldwin Wong. There you are. All right. <laughs> yes, good evening, good morning, good day, good night. Um, sorry, I'm, I'm watching on my monitor here, and the, the chat's over here, and it, I can't, it didn't come up. I don't know why. Anyway, hey, Aldwin, good to have you along. Uh, anyway, I'm a mosh tonight. I am a mix of every single screwed-up thing I could possibly be. I'm very tired. I've been tired all day. I don't know why. Probably the heat. Then I had too much coffee, so there's that. And then, wait, I got to switch over. Hold on, hold on. Give me half a second here. Let me get over to my personal Facebook page and show you this. This is what I just ate about a half hour, 45 minutes ago. We went to A&W tonight. Love their Coney dogs. And everything else was too busy. I'll talk about that in a minute. But they had this new special thing there. And if you're not in Malaysia, this isn't going to make a lot of sense to you. It is waffles cut up into little cubes with chendol and gula malaka. It is like, I was going to say it's like just eating a spoonfuls of sugar, but it's worse than that, if, if, if you can imagine. It's, okay, uh, forgive me Malaysians, but I have to do this because I have an audience in all different countries across the planet. Uh, chendol is the green stuff you see. Let me get to this. I'll get my mouse back. Okay, you see these little green wormy looking things? I actually have no idea what that's made from. I'm assuming it's like a, it feels like a pasta. So it's probably flour and, and something. I don't know what they make chendol out of. It's kind of sweet. It kind of has a pandan flavor. And then the waffles, there was vanilla ice cream inside. And then this brown goo which is not only mixed into the top, but it's settled on the bottom. 
is what we call here gula malaka. Gula in Malay means sugar. And it's a form of sugar that comes, well, originated in the city or state of Malacca. And the best way I can describe it is imagine if you had dark brown sugar, dark, the darkest of dark brown sugar, and then multiply the sweetness of that by about 20. And that's the best way I can describe Gula Malacca. And in this case, it's liquid. It's unbelievable. I'm on a sugar high. I'm on a coffee rush. I'm tired. <laughs> and away we go. A thousand miles an hour. Oh my God. It's just, uh, it's been one of those. And I literally sat down here about 10 minutes ago. I had everything organized for the show tonight. But um, I had to put it all, uh, the, so a lot of the stuff we do to go live, it has to happen within the, the 10 or 15 max minutes before we go live, some of the setup and things. So I'm rushing around here like a chicken with my head cut off. And, uh, oh, yeah, this little girl. Miko Update. Oh, little Miko update. Miko's doing great. Uh, she went to the vet today, but not for a bad thing. She was feeling good. She went because it was time for her yearly booster for her vaccines. And so uh, we took her to the vet, the wonderful folks at the uh, Mayo Clinic, uh, Mayo Veterinary Clinic, <laughs> not, not that Mayo Clinic. And uh, she did great. It was a long wait because they, they were full up on appointments, so we just kind of had to... Um, show up and walk in we waited probably an hour and a half or something anyway she did great the one thing she does not put up with is when they have to take her temperature now if you can imagine of course you can't put a thermometer in a dog's mouth it has to go in the other end and of all the things that they've done to her when we've taken her to the vet that's the one thing she will not stand for she does not want her temperature taken that way at all. She will fight you to the death. That is a, a, a hill she will die on. Anyway, we got it done. She got her, her uh, booster. Everything is fine. She's a little loopy tonight, a little lethargic, kind of meh. But that's the vaccine, and, you know, it's expected. Hey, by the way, I wanted to, I shared this on my Facebook page. Since we're talking about Miko, I, I got to throw this in there. You got to check this out. It is so freaking brilliant. If you own a pool and you don't do this, you're a moron. I, I call everybody morons. But no, seriously, take a look at this. This is so cool. Let me get it bigger for you. This is a doormat, which has been bolted on one end to the pool so that it hangs into the water. And look what it says. Again, if you're listening on the podcast, I'll read it for you. A simple doormat could save the life of a beloved pet, a wild animal, or even perhaps a non-swimmer or a child that has fallen into an unsupervised pool. This is absolutely brilliant. Would cost virtually nothing and absolutely potentially could save the life of not only a pet, wildlife but a person a young person if they can spot it get over to it of course doormat it's one of those rubberized doormats that has the holes in it 
so that you could actually get some grip, whether it was paws or fingers going in there, and pull yourself out of the pool. Absolutely incredible idea, and wanted to share that with you guys tonight because it's it it could be a lifesaver. Absolutely, it's brilliant, brilliant, brilliant. Good stuff. Uh, all right. What else we... Oh, yes. <laughs> Tuesday is Hari Raya. It is the end of Ramadan uh, for people of the Muslim faith. And uh, here in Malaysia, of course, we have an enormous Muslim population, uh, probably 60% of the population here, I think, the last figure I saw. Anyway, it's big. And uh, this, uh, a lot of people do what, again, Malaysians, sorry, this is for the people who aren't here, they do what is called balik kampong, which means balik, go back, kampong, which is a small village. It's like go back to your hometown, basically. And millions, not kidding, millions of people do. Here in the Klang Valley, it's growing, but most people have moved here for work from places outside of the Klang Valley. So when it comes for a holiday, Chinese New Year, Taipu Sum, and Hari Raya are the big three. Um, Merdeka, our Independence Day. Uh, people go back to their hometown, or Bali Kampong. Tonight, as I told you, we went to the mall, to A&W. We went to Sunway Pyramid. Again, non-Malaysians, that's an enormous mall here in Malaysia. It's only about 15 minutes away from my house. And... Uh, I have never in over two years seen it as jammed as it was tonight. Even at 9 o'clock at night on a Saturday, the stores were full, people were shopping, people were spending money, lines to get in to eat at every restaurant from the big ones to the small. All the stores were jamming. It was wonderful to see, absolutely incredible to see the economy, people coming back, people getting out, uh, people having a good time. But I really thought, Everybody would have left by now, and it wouldn't be so crowded. It was jammed, unbelievably busy. Let me show you what last night a good friend of mine, Jay, posted. It's a public post, so I'm not sharing any family secrets here. Take a look at this. This is apparent. I don't know. Jay must live in a very tall condo somewhere. But I don't know what road this is. Let's see what he wrote. He says, I understand the need and feelings associated with Bali Kampong, going back to your hometown. But how do people just surrender to this? I'm local, never needed to go anywhere in, uh, until recently for Chinese New Year. But even then, I avoided going back when others are like the plague. <laughs> it's called self-inflicted torture. Everyone and everything suffers. You, your family, your car, the environment. Go back, but plan first so everybody wins. Nice uh, nice sentiments. And to those, oh, morons. He uses morons. Yes, Jay, we love you. Those morons who bale kempong every time got holiday, even though it's not your celebration, why la? Well, you know, even though if you're not Muslim and you weren't just uh, going through Ramadan and fasting, it's still a holiday. And so why not? Um, I'll have to give you a tweak on that one because, you know, whether whatever your faith is, whatever your beliefs are, you get a holiday, you take it. Why not? But take a look. Let me play this video for you now. This is insane. Look at this traffic. Obviously, the stuff going down the screen 
is coming back in to the city. But take a look. He sweeps around to the other end. Look at that as far as the eye can see. That's 20 hours ago when he took this video. Look at that. From there all the way down, he sweeps down to the other end. And all the way out, it just doesn't stop. Incredible. Can you imagine being stuck in that crap for however long, 10, 15 hours? This is insane. Wow. Jay, thank you for sharing that. That is, uh, wow, that's incredible. Absolutely amazing. All right, so that's what we're going through here in Malaysia. It's a holiday weekend, so yeah, crazy time. <laughs> and uh, yeah, people are crazy. We have the proof of that, as a matter of fact, as soon as my browser decides it wants to unlock. And uh, we can... Oops, wait a minute. I got to get one more thing done. You see, we're doing this live, so just bear with us. Uh, we got a ton of stuff from World of Buzz tonight. And by the way, coming up, we will be uh, doing the second to the last chapter in Winnie the Pooh. All right, take a look at this. Again, when it comes to the moron Olympics, whoever did this takes the gold. You ought to be ashamed of yourself. This is beyond stupid. It's not funny. It's not entertaining. And you are a mean and heartless person. And somebody ought to find out who you are and throw your ass in jail. This story from World of Buzz links in our show notes tonight. A restaurateur fell victim to a prank. Someone called and reserved seats for 60 customers. Not just the seats, but ordered food for 60 customers. 6-0. And they were no-shows. It was a prank and I hesitate to use the word prank because that implies it's something funny it isn't funny it's disgusting unbelievable take a look at the pictures here from the article they set up and prepared food for 60 people at this restaurant now a couple of netizens had said dude you should have asked them for a deposit for that huge amount of people and I can't say I disagree with that that probably would have been a, a smart thing to do but uh, there have been a string of these morons, these idiot fools, pranking uh, restaurants recently. One would think people would know better. It costs businesses money, folks. These people, mom-and-pop operations, a lot of them, barely struggled to survive, did everything they could to make it through the last two years of madness. Now things are turning around, and you're pulling this kind of crap on them? Seriously, grow up. You seriously need to be ashamed of yourself. It's not funny. It's disgusting. Restaurants already struggling. Uh, there's a video of the incident in the article on World of Buzz. Uh, three long empty tables filled with food and uh, 60 packs, no shows. Somebody online wrote, please don't do this to business owners. We felt something was wrong when people who booked their place at the restaurant and did not arrive. It was still empty when the restaurant was almost closing, and apparently the staff tried to contact the person who did the booking, but no avail. Unbelievable. This, I, I, there are no words for you kind of idiots that pull this crap. 
I pray somebody lodges a report and you get caught because you need to seriously do some time for what it is that you did this ridiculous. Now, it'll never happen, but it ought to. And uh, again, world of buzz. But these two stories are so strangely connected. I, I well, let me just let me just present it to you, and you can get the goosebumps yourself. This lonely elderly Malaysian comes to the same restaurant, not the one they pulled the prank on. This is a different restaurant. He comes to this restaurant, orders food for his family of eight people dines alone and then pays for everything you can see here they've set it up they've got the uh, drinks he's ordered food and drinks for his family of eight people and he does this two or three times a week he said he's dining in with his family but we don't know if they're even still alive a loss, be it of a person or an item, can be unbearable to some people. And uh, what if the loss involves a big part of your own family? Unimaginably heartbreaking. But that's what an elderly man seems to be experiencing every single day. Recently, a radio station known as uh, a radio station known as Zion shared a story on their Facebook page about an unknown man and his family. In quotations. The anonymous man who wrote the post said he and his family were at the restaurant when they saw an uncle carefully and diligently arranging plates of food and glasses of drinks. Initially, the writer of the post didn't care much as he thought the uncle was waiting for his family. However, he was still eating alone, although the post person uh, and his family were almost done with their meal. And uh, there's another picture. Again, they properly blurred the guy's face out. Uh, we're not the only ones who noticed it. Other customers saw it, too, they said. Eight plates of food, eight glasses of tea. The other seven remained untouched while the uncle ate his own portion. Uh, the writer asked the waiter, and the waiter said, that's just him. He does it all the time. He orders eight portions of food and beverages. Says he's dining in with his family, but we don't even know if they're still alive. There was a customer who accidentally hit the chair while passing by the uncle, but he wasn't mad. Instead, he calmly repositioned the chair and continued eating. When he's done, according to the uh, worker, he pays the bill for all nine meals and leaves. Leftovers, the workers usually will pack them up. It's just, again, it doesn't say, nor maybe is it any of our business, what the backstory is behind this, but... Wow. It's amazing. Incredible. And incredibly sad, too. I just want to share that with you tonight. Um, yeah, since we were on the theme of food and restaurants, check this out. I don't know if this is sponsored content or not, so maybe I'm giving you a free ad. If I am, knock yourselves out. You want to sponsor my show? Give me a call. Or write me, nopants at jsheldon.com. But look at this. You know cloud computing? We all use cloud computing. That's where everything is stored through the internet up in somebody else's gigantuan bank of computers up in the cloud. Well, there, I, don't, 
I don't think I've seen this anywhere before, so I don't know if it's exclusive to Malaysia. But have you heard of a cloud kitchen? Check it out. This is uh, posted by Kitchen Connect. And uh, yeah, it must be a sponsored post of some kind. Uh, they help launch and grow your food delivery business with minimal upfront cost. They focus on making decisions, uh, delicious food, and our cloud kitchen. And they take care of the rest. There's a video here. We'll just back down the sound. And uh, you rent. You can check it out on our, there's a link in our show notes. State-of-the-art equipment, all the orders there for the different delivery places. You prepare the food. All the packaging and everything is there. All the pickups for the delivery guys. KC Kitchen Connect. What a cool idea. Again, like I said, I don't know if I just gave them some free advertising or not, but I just thought, you know, when you start a, a, a restaurant business, you got to have a location, 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 uh, tables maybe, kitchen, appliances, refrigerators, cooktops, all that crap. They take care of all that, and it's like a cloud kitchen. It's like a shared workspace. Brilliant, brilliant idea. Very cool. Check it out if you want to know more about it. The link is in our show notes. And Kitchen Connect, you probably owe me some advertising time. <laughs> no, it's a cool idea. All right. <laughs> this wasn't such a cool idea. In fact, this was kind of stupid. But, you know, stupid is as stupid does. When the police department, wherever you are on the planet, collects evidence from a crime scene, they, of course, have to store it somewhere. That's called an evidence locker. Sometimes it is an enormous building, a huge warehouse, warehouses, because, you know, this evidence goes on forever until the trial is over, and then uh, and some cold cases can last 20, 30, 50 years or more. Well, here in Malaysia, of course, when we confiscate fireworks, we have to get rid of them. So what do we do? We burn them. And what happened? You can see from the headline. The uh, <laughs> Sentul police station has a confiscated evidence storage. And while they were disposing of fireworks, the entire storage, evidence storage place, went up in flames. <laughs> yeah, it's funny, but it's not so funny when you stop for a moment and think about it. First of all, what idiot lit off a bunch or disposed of a bunch of fireworks anywhere near? I mean, not out in the middle of a sand pit somewhere. Hello, morons. You can see there's pictures right here. But now think about this. The evidence vault for all these cases where people have been charged with crimes and all the evidence in all these cases is gone gone caused injuries to three people by the way it was about 615 on uh, a couple days ago uh look at that wow based on a report by astro awani took place during the process of disposing of fireworks and firecrackers the police chief assistant commissioner ben eng lai shared that the police had requested help from the three victims to carry and clean the firecrackers and fireworks, and while they were cleaning them, suddenly there was a fire 
that resulted in an explosion. The three workers, civilians, were slightly injured, well, that's good news, I suppose, by the explosion fragments. And look at that. They were taken to uh, Kale Hospital uh, for treatment. Police haven't found any elements of treachery linked to the incidents. But there are likely a whole lot of people charged with crimes who are just going to walk scot-free because all the evidence for their case literally went up in smoke. Ouch. Not the way you dispose of explosive things. Yeah. All right. What else we got? We got a cool mosh tonight. Hey, Zane Osri, or Osri. How do you say it, Zane? Is it Osri, I suppose? Anyway, he posts the coolest stuff. We've had Zane on as a guest on our show in the past. You'll find it in one of our past episodes if you want to look back through. But um, Zane posted this, and I did not know this. Do you know, of course you know, that milk has an expiration date on it. So does almost any and every food product you buy in the grocery store. It has an expiration date. Release all the prisoners then. Oh, they're going to have to because they don't have any evidence. How are you going to prosecute a case with no evidence? Duh. So, yeah, sadly, going to be a whole lot of people let go. I wonder if it's any uh, important people, if you know what I mean. Anyway, yeah, everything, everything you eat and cosmetics, things like that also have an expiration date. But did you know the reason that we have an expiration date on milk bottles? I mean, the reason is yes, because after this date, it goes off. It's not as fresh. But the person responsible was Al Capone. I'm not kidding. Al Capone, the gangster, is the reason we have expiration dates on milk bottles. After his niece became extremely ill from drinking bad milk, the powerful Chicago gangster lobbied aggressively for companies to put expiration dates on milk for the safety of children and pregnant women. He lobbied city councils, I suppose, health departments, Al Capone, and indeed, who's going to refuse Al Capone? But they did it. And the reason we have those dates on our milk these days is this guy. How weird is that? He may have been a bad guy, but he did some pretty good stuff. All right. And yes, by the way, cosmetics do have expiration dates. I never knew that. I was doing a, a shoot once for a cosmetic company, uh, a video we were creating. And uh, that was when the, the owner of the company said, well, you know, you should be sure to check the expiration dates. And I said, it's cosmetics. It's face cream. Who the hell has a... Oh, yeah, they do. Absolutely. Because, you know, the chemicals and things that are inside have a shelf life. So after a time. However, I'm going to guess that shelf life isn't 2,000 years. Our last story tonight, before we get to our book, is so cool. This is from ancientorigins.net. The link is in our show notes if you want to read the whole article. Take a look at this. You see that? Looks like just a, well, rather old jar of maybe face cream or something? Well, it is rather old. It's 2,000 years old. 
Scientists amazed to discover 2,000-year-old face cream that still has the last fingerprints in it. See that? Those fingerprints are not from the scientists. That's what they found when they opened the container. 2,000 years ago, somebody scooped some up, and that's still there. They came across a tin in an unknown 2,000-year-old ointment. They were both pleased and bemused. Uh, It was not discovered in a home, as one might think, but rather near an ancient Roman temple in London. The location of the discovery initially led the researchers to think it was an ointment used for healing or rituals. But a detailed analysis revealed its ingredients. In it was animal fat, starch, and for pigment they used tin. Revealing it was none other than a tin of Roman face cream. Look at that. That is so wild. Now, they aren't sure whether it belonged possibly to a very wealthy woman, possibly a temple prostitute. Uh, The temples were not just uh, erected and used by the soldiers, but they were being utilized by those of different classes, different standings. So it very well could have belonged either to a very wealthy woman or perhaps, as they say in this article, a temple prostitute. 2,000 years old, probably not a good idea to try to use it, but still with the fingerprints in it of whoever owned it at the time. How weird and cool is that? (laughs) Unbelievable. Wow. All right. Uh, Let me see. I got a couple of little house cleaning businesses to take care of. And then we will pop up our book cover. There it is. And yes, it's time. By the way, for those of you listening, don't forget, please, to subscribe, follow, or like. Uh, Share if you want. That would be the ultimate cool thing. But by all means, please, wherever you're listening, the podcast or our video, even the video replay, Rumble, Twitch.tv, YouTube, or uh, Facebook Live, uh, do please give us a like and a follow and a share. We appreciate that very much. All right. Winnie the Pooh by A.A. Milne from 1926 is the book we are reading. And uh, we've been doing that for a whole bunch of streams now. We're on Chapter 9 tonight. And um, there's only one more chapter after this. So, Chapter 9, in which Piglet is entirely surrounded by water. It rained, and it rained, and it rained. Piglet told himself that never in all of his life, and he was goodness knows how old, three or was it four, and never had he seen so much rain, days and days and days. If only, he thought as he looked out the window, I had been in Pooh's house or Christopher Robin's house or Rabbit's house. When it began to rain, then I should have company all this time instead of being here all alone and nothing to do except wonder when it will stop. And he imagined himself with Pooh saying, Did you ever see such rain, Pooh? And Pooh saying, Isn't it awful, Piglet? And Piglet saying, I wonder how it is over Christopher Robin's way. And Pooh saying, I should think poor old rabbit's about flooded out by this time. 
and it would have been jolly to talk like this, and really it wasn't much good having anything exciting like floods if you couldn't share them with somebody. For it was rather exciting. Little dry ditches in which Piglet had nosed about so often had become streams. The little streams across which he'd splashed were rivers, and the rivers between whose steep banks they'd played so happily had sprawled out of its own bed and taken up so much room everywhere that Piglet was beginning to wonder whether it would be coming into his bed soon. It's a little anxious, he said to himself, to be a very small animal entirely surrounded by water. Christopher Robin and Pooh could escape by climbing trees, and Kanga could escape by jumping, and Rabbit could escape by burrowing, and Owl could escape by flying, and Eeyore could escape by by making a loud noise until rescued. And here I am, surrounded by water, and I can't do anything. It went on raining, and every day the water got a little higher, and until now it was nearly up to Piglet's window, and he still hadn't done anything. There's Pooh, he thought to himself. Pooh hasn't much brain, but he never comes to any harm. He does silly things, and they turn out right. There's Owl. Owl hasn't exactly got brain, but he knows things. He would know the right thing to do when surrounded by water. There's Rabbit. He hasn't learned in books, but he can always think of a clever plan. There's Kanga. She's not clever. Kanga isn't, but she would be so anxious about Rue that she'd do a good thing to do without thinking about it. And then there's Eeyore. And Eeyore is so miserable anyhow that he wouldn't mind about this. But I wonder what Christopher Robin would do. And then suddenly he remembered a story which Christopher Robin told him about a man on a desert island who'd written something in a bottle and thrown it in the sea. And Piglet thought that if he wrote something in a bottle and threw it in the water, perhaps someone would come and rescue him. He left the window, began to search his house, all of it that wasn't underwater. And at last he found a pencil and a small piece of dry paper and a bottle with a cork to it and he wrote on one side of the paper, Help! Piglet! Me! And on the other side, It's me, Piglet! Help! Help! And then he put the paper in the bottle. He corked the bottle up as tightly as he could. He leaned out the window as far as he could lean without falling in, and he threw the bottle as far as he could throw. Splash! And a little while... It bobbed up again in the water, and he watched it floating slowly away in the distance, until his eyes ached with looking, and sometimes he thought it was the bottle, and sometimes he thought it was just a ripple in the water, which he was following. And then suddenly he knew he'd never see it again, and that he had done all that he could do to save himself. So now, he thought, somebody else will have to do something. And I hope they'll do it soon, because if they don't, I shall have to swim, which I can't. So I hope they do it soon. And then he gave a very long sigh and said, I wish Pooh were here. It's so much more friendly with two. When the rain began, Pooh was asleep. 
It rained and rained and rained, and he slept and slept and slept. He had a tiring day. You remember how he discovered the North Pole? Well, he was so proud of this that he asked Christopher Robin if there were any other poles, such as a bear of little brain might discover. There's a South Pole, said Christopher Robin, and I expect there's an East Pole and a West Pole, though people don't like talking about them. Pooh was very excited when he heard this and suggested they should have an expedition to discover the East Pole. But Christopher Robin had thought of something else to do with Kanga, so Pooh went out to discover the East Pole by himself. Whether he discovered it or not, I forget. But he was so tired when he got home that in the very middle of his supper, after he'd finished eating for a little more than half an hour, he fell asleep, fast asleep in his chair, and slept and slept and slept. Then suddenly he was dreaming. He was at the East Pole. And it was a very cold pole with the coldest sort of snow and ice all over it. He'd found a beehive to sleep in. There wasn't any room for his legs, so he left them outside. Wild woozles, such as inhabit the East Pole, came and nibbled all the fur off his legs to make nests for their young. And the more they nibbled, the colder his legs got, until suddenly he woke up with an ow! And there he was, sitting in a chair, with his feet in the water all around him. He splashed to his door to look out. This is serious, said Pooh. I must have an escape. So he took out the largest pot of honey and escaped with it to a broad branch of his tree, well above the water. And then he climbed down again and escaped with another pot. And when the whole escape was finished, there was Pooh sitting on his branch, dangling his legs, and there he was with ten pots of honey beside him. <coughs> Excuse me. Two days later, there was Pooh sitting on his branch, dangling his legs, and there beside him were four pots of honey. Four days later, there was Pooh. And it was on the morning of the fourth day that Piglet's bottle came floating past, and with one loud cry of, Honey! Pooh plunged into the water, seized the bottle, and struggled back into his tree again. Bother, said Pooh as he opened it. All that wet for nothing. What's a bit of paper doing? He took it out and looked at it. It's a message, he said to himself. <coughs> That's what it is. And that letter is a P. So is that. So is that. P means poo. It's a very important message to me, and I can't read it. I must find Christopher Robin or Owl or Piglet one of those clever readers that can read things. They'll tell me what this message means. Only, I can't swim. Oh, bother. And then he had an idea. And I think that for a bear of very little brain, it was a good idea. He said to himself, If a bottle can float, then a jar can float. And if a jar floats, I can sit on top of it. If it's a very big jar. 
So he took his biggest jar, corked it up. All boats have to have a name, he said. So I shall call mine the Floating Bear. And with these words, he dropped his boat into the water and jumped in after it. For a little while, Pooh and the Floating Bear were uncertain as to which one of them was meant to be on the top. But after trying one or two positions, they settled down with the Floating Bear underneath and Pooh triumphantly astride it, paddling vigorously with his feet. Well, Christopher Robin lived at the very top of the forest. It rained and it rained and it rained, but the water couldn't come up to his house. He was rather jolly to look down into the valleys and see the water all around him. But it rained so hard that he stayed indoors most of the time and thought about things. Every morning he went out with his umbrella to put a stick in the place where the water came to, and every next morning he went out and couldn't see his stick anymore. So he put another stick in the place where the water came up to, and then he walked home again. And each morning he had a shorter walk to the water all around him. And he knew that for the first time in his life, he was on a real island, which was very exciting. It was on this morning that Owl came flying over the water to say, How do you do? he said to his friend Christopher Robin. I say, Owl, said Christopher Robin, isn't this fun? I'm on an island. Uh, the atmospheric conditions have been unfavorably lately, said Owl. The what? It's been raining, explained Owl. Oh, yes, it has, said Christopher Robin. The flood level has reached an unprecedented height. The who? There's a lot of water about, said Owl. Uh, yes, said Christopher Robin, there is. However, the prospects are rapidly becoming more favorable at any moment. Have you seen Pooh? No, not at the moment. I do hope he's all right, said Christopher Robin. I've been worrying about him. I expect piglets with him. Do you think they're all right, Owl? I expect so. You see, at any moment, I do go and see Owl, because Pooh hasn't got very much brain, and he might do something silly. And I do love him, so, Owl, do you see, Owl? That's all right, said Owl. I'll go back directly. And he flew off. In a little while, he was back again. Pooh isn't there, he said. Not there? He's been there. He's been sitting on the branch of his tree outside of his house with nine pots of honey. But he isn't there now. Oh, Pooh, cried Christopher Robin. Where are you? Here I am, said a growly voice behind him. Pooh, and they rushed into each other's arms. How did you get here, Pooh? said Christopher Robin, when he was ready to talk again. On my boat, said Pooh proudly. <coughs> I had a very important message sent to me in a bottle, and owing to having gotten some water in my eyes, I couldn't read it, so I brought it to you on my boat. With these proud words, he gave Christopher Robin the message. But it's from Piglet! said Christopher Robin when he read it. Is there anything about Pooh in it? asked Bear, looking over his shoulder. 
Christopher Robin read the message aloud. Oh, are those peas piglet? I thought they were poos. We must rescue him at once. I thought he was with you. Pooh, Owl, Owl, could you rescue him on your back? I don't think so, said Owl after grave thought. It is doubtful if the necessary dorsal muscles... Then would you fly him at once and say that rescue is coming? And Pooh and I will think of a rescue and come as quick as we can. Oh, don't talk, Owl. Just go on quick and think of something to say. And Owl flew off. Now then, Pooh, said Christopher Robin, where's your boat? I ought to say, said Pooh, as they walked to the shore of the island, that it isn't an ordinary sort of boat. Sometimes it's a boat, and sometimes it's more of an accident. It all depends. Depends on what? On whether I'm on the top or underneath it. Oh, well, where is it? There, said Pooh, pointing proudly to the floating bear. It wasn't exactly what Christopher Robin expected, and the more he looked at it, the more he thought what a brave and clever bear Pooh was. And The more Christopher Robin thought this, the more Pooh looked modestly down his nose and tried to pretend he wasn't. But it's too small for the two of us, said Christopher Robin sadly. Three of us with Piglet. Oh, that makes it smaller still. Oh, Pooh Bear, what shall we do? And then this bear. Pooh Bear. Winnie the Pooh. F-O-P. Friend of Piglets. R-C. Rabbit's Companion. P-D. Pole Discoverer. E-C. and T-F. Eeyore's Comforter and Tail Finder. In fact, Pooh himself said something so clever that Christopher Robin could only look at him with mouth open and eyes staring, wondering if this was really the bear of very little brain whom he'd known and loved for so long. We might go in your umbrella, said Pooh. Huh? We might go in your umbrella, said Pooh. Suddenly, Christopher Robin saw that they might. He opened his umbrella, pointed it downward in the water, and it floated but wobbled. Pooh got in. He was just beginning to say that it was all right now when he found that it wasn't. And so after a short drink, which he really didn't want, he waded back to Christopher Robin, and then they both got in, and it wobbled no longer. I shall call this boat the brain of Pooh, said Christopher Robin, and the brain of Pooh set sail forthwith with a southwesterly direction, revolving gracefully. You can imagine Piglet's joy when the last ship came in sight of him. In after years, he liked to think that he'd been very in very great danger during the terrible flood. But the moment Owl, who'd just flown up, sat on a branch of his tree to comfort him, told him a very long story about an aunt who had once laid a seagull's egg by mistake, and the story went on and on rather like this sentence, until Piglet, who was listening out of his window without much hope, went to sleep quietly and naturally, slipping slowly out of the window towards the water until he was only hanging by his toes, at which moment 
luckily, a sudden loud squawk from Owl, which was really part of the story, being what his aunt said, woke the piglet up and just gave him time to jerk himself back into safety and say, <clears throat> How interesting! And did she? When, well, what can you imagine his joy when at last he saw the good ship Brain of Pooh, Captain C. Robin, first mate P. Bear, coming over the sea to rescue him? Christopher Robin and Pooh again. And that really is the end of the story. And I am very tired after that last sentence. I think I shall stop there. <laughs> wow, there you go, chapter nine. My throat dried up, and I apologize for the throat clearing and coughing <clears throat> throughout. But uh, there you go. This is live, folks, so it is what it is. Coming up, it'll be the final chapter of Winnie the Pooh in our next stream on Monday night, chapter 10 in which Christopher Robin gives Pooh a party, and we say goodbye. A. A. Milne's Winnie the Pooh. How about that? Thanks so much for joining. I will see you again on Monday night, and uh, thank you for our likes and follows and subscribes across wherever you are watching or listening. Don't forget to check out our podcast. It's the same audio. It's just a replay of the audio from our show on whatever place you find your podcast. Look up I'm Not Wearing Pants. Check for that logo or Jay Sheldon. Look for this logo. Click on it. Click subscribe or follow, and uh, we appreciate that. I'll see you again. Have a great rest of your weekend. If you are in uh, Malaysia or wherever you may be celebrating Hari Raya next week, enjoy that. Actually, we'll see you on Raya Eve on Monday night at 10. Until then, I'm Jay Sheldon. I am not wearing pants. Good night. <laughs>